Like I didn't know how to name the place. When we had to sign the lease, they were like, well, do you still want to put your skate park in Bay 198? And I was like, what's Bay 198? And they were like, well, Sears is Bay 200 and Radio Shack is Bay 199 and you're across the hall and you're 198. And I was like, oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, Bay 198. And they were like, well, what's the name of it going to be? And I was like, this is called Bay 198. From Grindstone Media, this is Nebraska Made a narrative journey through the lives of Nebraska's most inspiring business leaders. We unpack the intimate details of how our guests navigated obstacles and built their companies in pursuit of the good life. I'm JT Martin, and today we hear from Mike Smith, professional speaker, action sports personality, social entrepreneur, and the founder of The Bay, a 30,000 square foot nonprofit skate park for kids. Our guest today, Mike Smith, gave us 110% for this episode, and his energy is real. He's worked with youth his whole career, and he knows how to keep their attention. He runs four companies, has 100,000 Instagram followers, and when it's not COVID, he spends most of his year on the road as a motivational speaker, inspiring students to become better people. Mike Smith is on a mission, and it's all centered around helping Nebraska's youth. I am from Lincoln, Nebraska, but my cell phone number is from Imperial, Nebraska, and that's an important distinction to make. I still got a 308 number, and I, it's like a pride. It's a sense of pride for me. What were you like as a kid? I think I was... I heard something the other day that was so interesting. Someone said to me, they were like, I think the most true version of yourself is who you are when you're like eight to 12. And I feel like as I've gotten older and as I've kind of like settled into me, I feel like I've just like become the adult version of the eight to 12 year old Mike. Like I'm the same kind of just like, I love to play, I loved to play then. I love freedom. I'm looking for that probably more than anything else in this world. Were you sort of entrepreneurial as a kid or were you just more about just goofing off with your friends? I think the big the big shift for me was like we we had a and this yeah, this is maybe where the bay kind of comes from, but like we had a really cool YMCA in our downtown uh, in Rapid City. And as and as a kid, it was like four or five days a week for like four or five hours at a time, I was at the YMCA. Like I got kicked out of Boy Scouts as an eight year old for fighting or something like that. And so I got put into jujitsu, but it wasn't like, oh, I went to jujitsu. Like some people go to like dance class. It was like four or five hours a day, four or five days a week, traveling all over, fighting in tournaments. I probably have like 60 first place trophies scattered all over my like life of just like fighting in these tournaments as a kid. Cause like that's what the culture was. And so, but the YMCA and, and jujitsu was cool and it was awesome to grow up in like a ring and fight. Like that part was fun, but like you had the whole YMCA. So it was like when you were done, it was like you could swim all day. There was a sweet arcade downstairs. Like you could play there and just run crazy because like that's where we grew up, you know? And so I just, as a kid, I just remember like this one big building where it was like everything was on limits. Did you like organized education, like formal education? No, I hated it. I was terrible at it. They used to mail home your deficiency slips. Like, if do you remember those days? Like, if you had a bad yeah. grade, did you ever get bad grades? Oh, yeah, yeah, I was okay. there. Yeah. Cool. So, like, religious bad grades. Uh -huh. So, I knew the system. They would uh -huh. mail home these deficiency slips. Okay. So, like, I remember in the office seeing all of the deficiency slips laid out, uh -huh. being ready to be mailed out. And I was like, the mail in Imperial uh -huh. is as fast as that guy can walk. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's like, cool. So I went home and I got the key to our mailbox because they didn't deliver mail to your house. They delivered it to the post office, went to our lockbox, went in and took the deficiency slips out, <laughs> left the rest of the mail, went to practice, but I forgot to take the key home. So my dad shows up to practice and he's like, couldn't find the mailbox key. And oh, so I was just knew. new. Was that practice? Like I'm like in practice, like doing dribbling drills. I look up and there's like, 
my dad who said 11 words my entire life, you know what I mean? And you're just like, oh man. And he's just like, where's the key? And you're just like, God, oh, he knows. Oh, no. oh yeah. I was, and he was like, you know, he's like, grade's pretty bad. What do you get? And like, what was coming in the mail? And it was just like, well, and then my coach was like, he's got six D's or some crazy thing. Did you go to college? Did you want yeah. to go to college? I did. Uh, I wanted to play college basketball. I didn't want to go nice. to college. I didn't get accepted anywhere in, uh, Nebraska at first. So I went to this little school in Wyoming and got kicked out. And then I ended up at Grace University in Omaha, which also was not a great fit, but they had a basketball team. So I didn't ever look at college. Like I, I had a dream of playing somewhere for four years. Or I wanted to graduate with a degree or I wanted, I needed a degree to do a career. Like I literally don't think I ever one time had any of those thoughts. I think like yeah. the deepest thought I had was like, it'd be cool to play college basketball. Yeah. And then I figured I'd have a life working with kids, helping people. I wasn't a hundred percent sure. That's awesome. Like where it would go, you yeah. know, but it was just like, that was what I was going to do. So where did you land right after Grace? You're like, okay, I want to work with kids. What do I get into? I went to, so I, I just wrote this out the other day. I had like the most, I had the audacity to do this. And this was so funny. I was 22 years old working at this. Have you ever heard of Campus Life? It's like a parachurch after school club so, thing, yeah. right? And so the executive director of that organization quit and he was like, you know, a professor, a master's degree. He went on to work at Boy Scouts, like Cor Boy Scouts of America's like corporate office. Like he was like a legitimate, like corpo nonprofit dude. Like he had paid his dues and he, it's like the executive director job opens up and I'm like, of course I'm getting this job. Like, why wouldn't they give me this job of this? And there's like 10 people who work here and they're all older than me and have all worked here longer. But I was like, I'm better than everyone at this job. Like I literally said that at the meeting. I was like, I'm better than all of you at this. And I was like, it's an, and so I applied clearly didn't get it so i quit because i was like i'm not gonna have one of you tell me how to do something i was like no way so mike learns a little humility and gets some real world youth work experience he has this unshakable energy that makes him great with kids and he's getting closer to finding the thing that he wants to dedicate his life to but his big turning point came while working at a child service organization called cedars that provides street-based assistance to runaway homeless and at-risk youth in Lincoln, Nebraska. I mean, honestly, the biggest kind of pivot in my life, you have those big, big moments, you know? It was, I, I got a job at Cedars. Working at Cedars is like a outreach worker. So I was working in, it was a street, out, SOS was the title. So it was street outreach services was the department. I was the judge of teen court. And this sounds so silly, but <laughs> because this is a Nebraska podcast, you know, and like any kid who's grew up in Lincoln is gonna relate to this. But if you got, an MIP, you know, if you're under 18 and you got mipped or whatever, or if you got like a possession ticket or a trespassing ticket or whatever it was, vandalism, you went to diversion and you got a diversion officer and you had to do community service hours and they would, you know, you do enough community service hours and it's off your record or whatever. So the way that it worked at Cedars was I was the judge at teen court. And so I like would wear this stupid judge's robe in a legit fake courtroom and the kids were the jurors. And these all the jurors were kids who had been busted. So if you got caught, you had to serve like 12 jury duties. So that was how we kept the jury stacked. You know what I mean? Like every Tuesday and I never miss, like what else am I gonna, what else have I got going on? Teen court was the most interesting thing you'd ever heard of. Cause you'd hear a story about kids doing crazy things. And then they'd be like in my my fake courtroom three weeks later. And I'd be like, yo, this is that kid. I have no legitimate authority right now, but like everyone thinks I do. I'm like a street outreach worker at Cedars posing as the teen court judge. Yeah. I'm basically there just to make sure the wheels don't fall off. It's all it was, you know? And, and did you like, have like long hair and tattoos oh, yeah, back dude, then? I've like like this. Yeah, I've never, I've looked like this since college like day one college has been long hair mike the tattoos is the only thing that's gotten well i've never changed so anyway i'm sitting there and i'm listening to these kids for two years dude it's two years straight of just like these kids are walking in and i'm listening and i'm listening and i'm like these aren't bad kids they're just bored kids like this is lincoln nebraska bored to death they've grown up here their whole life so they go get in trouble and i was like 
I did the same thing. Like I just was either faster than you, smarter than you, out smarted the cops that one time. Like a different friend got caught that night, not me. Like that is the only difference was like, I played roulette and got away with it in my little town and you didn't in Lincoln. And it's like, so I'm looking at these kids and I'm like, these kids are just good kids, you know? And like, they're getting community service hours and they gotta go do stuff. And I was like, they need a place to go. Like nobody has a place to go. And I was like, that's my, that's me. And like, I don't know if it's like rewind all the way back to YMCA, Mike, who's like, oh my God, I know how big this is as a kid, but I could, would have never articulated this like I can now in 2010, like in 2010, when this happened, no, 2009, I would have never been able to say this, you know, but I, I just knew kids needed a place to go and I couldn't drop it, like physically couldn't drop it. Like I'm going to create a place to go. And it wasn't like a, oh, and you're going to help and you're going to help and you're going to help. It was like, you're either on this train with me or I'm running you over and you're not on this train anymore ever again. But like, I'm going to do this like board of directors meetings, like mid Bay when it was like looking bleak, I had a moment where I was like, Oh, you guys don't understand what's happening here. I was like, you can all quit. And I was like, I'll start another 501 C three and do this again next week. I was like, I'm never going to stop. I had to start so differently because I was 27, no college degree, no money. I was making $1,800 a month as an SOS worker at Cedars. I had no materials, no lumber, no background, no history in this and no help, honestly. And I was like, I got this, dude, I got this. And it was like, I got all the lumber donated from back to the Bible, like all the ramps and everything that were there. I was like, I, and I, they were like, we'll leave it here as long as you need it. So I was like picking and choosing what I needed when I needed it from there. <clears throat> everything, glass display cases, cash registers, speakers, sound system, like all of it. I would take like some ramps, coping, pads to wrap like, banner so kids wouldn't skate into it and hit like scrappy just metal pieces off of the floor that i could patch other things with like yeah total anthill status dude yeah. like uh-huh. building it like a shack is what it felt like i was doing like and then I, I scrapped that all together we got an abandoned barn tore it all apart in another barn yeah. like in the dark we would turn our trucks on with our lights at night and then like <laughs> just like take these ramps apart just like and then save every freaking screw that you didn't strip the head off of and we had a bucket of strip screws and a bucket of good screws and the good screws we took back in and we just i was like i had no money and no idea what i was doing but i knew that i was like if you generate two three four five grand a month you can do this right like if you can just figure out a way to generate slash raise that so mike has a few old skate ramps and a vision he asks his friend's fathers to be on the board of directors and he starts raising money his guerrilla fundraising tactics include skating across Nebraska, Scotts Bluff to the Capitol three times, or sleeping under a bridge for 27 days. And eventually he gathers enough resources to establish his first skate park location at the Gateway Mall. After pulling all the strings possible to piece things together, Mike was ready for the grand opening on November 6, 2010. But there was one attendee at the grand opening that wasn't there to skate. We opened November 6th of 2010. So our 10 year was just like this month. So we've been 10 years. Thank you. The photo that you see of it, the, of the one photo that we have or whatever, the sign, the thing that everyone won't understand is at our grand opening, I had been dodging the sign guy that I owed $800 for like two weeks. So he knew I was going to be at the grand opening. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, like clearly yeah. this guy knows that day to find me. And I so had been dodging. Oh, of course, dude. Waited in line with the kids, bro. 
The sign guy, he was like, congrats on the opening. And I was like, there's a lot of cash in here. I was like, I'm going to pay you cash at the end of the day. And he was like, sounds great. And I was like, come back at the end of the day. And it was just like, mother of God. And I was like, it has begun. Like, this is yeah. how it works. Like, your first 800 you make is already accounted for. And you're just like, and that has been the bay ever since, man. It was just like a scrappiest start. Like, I didn't know how to name the place. Everybody always asked where the, the name came from. It was Bay 198. When we had to sign the lease for the thing, they were like, well, do you still want to put your skate park in Bay 198? And I was like, what's Bay 198? And they were like, well, Sears is Bay 200 and Radio Shack is Bay 199 and you're across the hall and you're 198. And it's like, and they showed me how it was like odds on this side, evens on this side. And it was like 198, 196. And I was like, oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, Bay 198. And they were like, well, what's the name of it going to be? And I was like, and there was already a sign on the back of the door that said Bay 198. And I was like, let's just leave this sign. Let's just call it Bay 198. I was like, let's just call it that. I was like, everybody just call it Bay anyway. And Don't got to make a new sign. I didn't even do you anything. Yeah, I just had to not pay that one guy for a while, you know? <laughs> and then we're good. But yeah, dude, Bay 198, that's where it came from. So the Bay is officially born, and they quickly outgrow their space in the mall. So that's when they moved into their current location, a 30,000 square foot warehouse at 20th and Y Street in Lincoln. At this time, Mike is still working as a social worker, and the Bay needed more funding, so they start looking for new revenue streams, and they decide to tap into Mike's God-given gift for public speaking. Their plan? To make a video series that encourages kids to live better lives, and then leverage that series to then create a national school assembly speaking tour. They call the video series The Harbor, and the speaking tour, Mike Smith Live. The thing that worked that was so funny is, is uh, I, I, schools need resources and they have like the worst because nobody's trying to make cool videos. Who's intentionally like passionately like, I'm going to go make dope content for high schools to watch <laughs> in school. Like it, I was battling Bill Nye and he'd already retired. Yeah. So I recorded a DVD, swear to God, DVD had a friend burn. Like he had like access to a mass DVD burner. So he burned like 300 of them. I had kids who had uh, community service hours that they needed to do hand write and hand label all of these. Uh, I got recycled like disc cases, like little, like they were like, uh, looked like a CD would come in it. Right. Uh -huh. I slid like the DVD was like a custom thing. It was called branded. And uh, it was a five minute free video. And I mailed 300 DVDs to schools within like an eight hour drive of Lincoln, like all of the schools, you know uh -huh. what I mean? That I could possibly get these kids that had community service hours to find the address to. Yeah. And then I was like, after you get the address, you need to go to their website and find their mascot. And you need uh -huh. to put like hashtag go Panthers or something at the bottom of every single one of these. And so I had this like assembly line of kids, like handwriting these things, just pumped out 300 of these things. Dude, it was like wildfire. It was just like, and that was what it took. And then it was just like, schools were like, hey, we got this video. Like, uh, do you speak at schools? And I was like, absolutely I do. But that was how it started was I just like shipped out a bunch of DVDs because it was like a $300 idea, you know, like to print the DVDs, to get the recycled stuff and to put stamps on it or whatever. It wasn't like it cost me a ton, you uh -huh. know, it was just a painstaking, painful yeah. time. But I treated it like a job when I first started speaking, just cause I like, I needed the resources to pay for the bay. That was just like the line, you know? And so, but yeah, I treated it like a job. I would wake up at six o'clock East coast time and I would email every single school's email I could find every principal I could possibly find. I would just cold email their inbox. Like, and I would start on the East coast and I would just work my way all the way across the country until I just like got sick of it. And I would do that. Like every week, like a couple days a week. And then the next week I would go see if any, like whoever had followed up, I would just reply back to them that next day. And I just like kept that train going. And it was yeah. like, I probably got like three assemblies off that, like oh from gosh. New York to San Diego, like yeah. got three. One of those ended up being $2,000 in Chicago. I got a new website paid for the DVDs. And it was like, after that, it, like it was exploded. 
there's the movie in your head that you're playing out that no one will ever know all the, all of the scenes to. Do you know what I mean? And like, I know some of the gnarliest moments, some of the most desperate, no money, negative money, oh, people money. You know what I mean? Moments where it's like rough, you know, and like scary moments of your organization where you like kind of gut it out and it feels very like a hero's journey on your own. And like that, those, those were very real. I remember the first time I got $750 to speak one time. And I was like, oh, sweet. Okay, I was like, it was like $400 in gas or whatever. I was like, the gas, the rental car, the thing. And I was like, so you talked for like four hours. And I was like, you're gonna make like $400. I was like, you made like $100 an hour when this is said and done. You know, like I still hadn't paid taxes or any of that mm-hmm. yet in my mind, cause you don't know how, but you're like $100 an hour. And I was like, I only make $1,800 a month as a social worker. I was yeah, like, I bet yeah. if I do this like three or four times a month and then just focused on the skate park, I'd be good. Mm-hmm. So that was like the start, you know, it was mm-hmm. like get a couple bookings a month. like you make $1,800 a month. Like, could you make $2,000 as a speaker? So my original goal was like, is it possible to make $3,000 a month as a youth speaker? <clears throat> Within like eight months, I had to hire like a full-time manager because I couldn't book my own travel anymore because it was like, I was- Too in, much? Oh, I was out of control. Wow. Did you have a moment when you were like, okay, we made it, this is a thing? Kind of, we're kind of like smack dab in the middle of, I think the we made it moments right now. You know, crawl, walk, run, sprint, like that analogy, you guys ever use that around here when you're Sometimes, in something, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like it's a, it gets tossed around a lot in like our world. And like, I feel like we're sprinting, but in reality, and like the, the, the 30,000 foot bird's eye view of this thing, like the bay is just now starting to learn how to walk. Like we're getting out of our infancy stages and most nonprofits don't make it. 10 years, you know, most nonprofits don't make it to a place where you can apply for federal funding. And we just got to that point a decade in and we just are now responsible and grown up enough to like apply for federal funding. And that's nothing to do with me, everything to do with our development team. Who's like knows how to even make that possible. We didn't have some big federal grant that we got or some like sustainable funding. We don't get half a million dollars a year, every year committed from some big foundation in town, like no way no way you know what i mean and so it's like we don't get grants of over a hundred grand hardly ever like there's probably been like five total in the history of the bay you know what i mean and so it's like it's it isn't that it's like your twenty five thousands your ten thousands your fifteen thousands your thirty thousands at a time and it takes a ton of those because we have a million dollar budget what do you think about uh starting the bay in nebraska specifically do you think has helped for its best best decision in my life i did it on purpose i love nebraska so much like dude nebraska is everything to me i got it tatted on my wrist i point to it all day long like i'm the most my friends don't understand like it sometimes i could my wife and i could live wherever we wanted like we could do that because we we have freedom and we have a job that i can do remote you know and all that stuff but it's like no way you could sit here and be like lincoln's the greatest town ever and, and like no it's got its problems like any town like when we have a diversity issue just like most midwest towns but like what a solvable problem I love Nebraska so much and I'm I'm here baby and this is my place I'm not going anywhere I'm not yeah I'm not I, this is like Nebraska is going to have to kick me out Today Mike has appeared in Forbes magazine and BuzzFeed and he continues to look for opportunities to help others like for example his collaboration with Yeah Nice Beanies that donates a beanie to a homeless shelter for every single purchase Mike Smith Live has grossed over a million dollars in a single year in revenue, and you can bet that it's all going back into the Bay to reach more kids and help break generational poverty in Nebraska. I'm JT Martin, and this has been a Grindstone production. Grindstone is one of the premier production and marketing firms here in Lincoln, offering everything you need to grow your business in 2020, from video and podcast production to social media management and media buying. You can learn more by visiting grindstoneagency.com. 
you know what the Enneagram is? Yes, my mom's obsessed with the Enneagram. Okay, so yeah. you can tell your mom that you met <laughs> you met a seven wing seven. That's the most hype Enneagram yes, that yeah, you yeah, can yeah. be. Yeah, and then there's no <laughs> wing. There's no my wing isn't to do the other thing. My wing yeah. is just to is to stay hype. 